BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Tribune Audio Network. She was like, I was left for dead. And I just feel so bad because I'm just like, I should have took the chance. I should have told anyways, despite if I would be sitting here right now alive or not. I should have told somebody. I had to go all these years not knowing if she was dead or alive and just dealing with that on my conscience. That's, that's rough. After the baby was snatched from her arms, Rashida could only wonder. I mean, I cried every birthday, I cried. I mean, I even found myself, you know, I'm, I'm a mother. Like any, any mother that would lose a child. So can't nobody say, I don't know how it feels to lose a child, whether they dead or alive. I know how it feels. I'm going down the line like she would be 10 a day. She would be 11 a day. She would be three. She would be starting kindergarten a day. You know, just things like that. The other troubling part of Rashida's story is that after Michael Wilson abandoned the first baby, the abuse didn't stop. He would father two more children with Rashida while she was a teenager. The trauma was overwhelming. I found myself plenty of nights just sitting there, you know, just holding a gun in my head, just wanting to take my life. But then I look at, at the time, my second daughter after Angel. I'm looking at her and I'm just like, I can't do this. And then now I have a little boy by him, you know, his, my, my third child. And I'm like, I can't do this to them because I don't know how their life is going to turn out if they don't have me, because I'm going to get us out of this. That's how I always, that was my, my motivation, like, I'm going to get all of us out of this. From the Tribune Audio Network, I'm Fox 8's Natalie Wilson, and this is What Happened to Baby Doe. The day came when Rashida was able to pack her things and move away. She was content with finally being away from Michael. But I never once picked up the phone and said anything about being molested, these being his children, anything. I just kind of, just from being sheltered in so long, it was just to the point like I'm grown. So even when stuff started unraveling, I didn't want to go through it because of the fact that I'm like, I'm grown and I'm gone. I'm not going through it no more. My children are going through it, haven't been through it. So I just want to leave it alone. But that wasn't enough for a concerned friend. My daughter had wrote a, uh, she had wrote a story. And I don't know if you heard about the movie or remember the Lifetime movie, The Pregnancy Pack, where all the teenagers were getting pregnant and everything. My mom watched Lifetime a lot, so I'm figuring that's where she got it from. But my daughter was writing a story. But the characters in the story was basically our life going on. And, you know, it was about a girl getting pregnant by somebody in the family and stuff, but the name of her story was The Pregnancy Pack. And uh, my best friend had found it. She made a phone call. She had called CPS just to ask, like, if I find the story. And from there, everything just unraveled.
When investigators took a closer look, there were some details that didn't quite add up. They wanted to bring us into an investigation room with counselors and everything. And from there, sitting there, you know, having our conversations, they're like, he's paying child support for my now 17-year-old and 14-year-old. It was like, he's paying child support for them. And we're looking at the ages, you know, if this, how, who is he to you? And I'm like, he's my stepfather. That's my mom's ex-boyfriend. And they're like, well, what's going on? How's he there? What's going on? So from there, I mean, you have no choice. It's, it's there. You're on a birth certificate, everything. So, I mean, I, I was just honest. That's how it all came out. It was no hiding it from there. In 2013, Michael Wilson was arrested in connection to sexual assaults that he was accused of committing from 1991 to 2003. But he was not the only person taken into custody. Michael Wilson and his wife Antoinette have been together for over 15 years. Now they're spending time together in jail. Both are accused of sexually abusing a child. Antoinette is not Rashida's mother, but they all live together. The victim continued to live with Wilson even after he stopped dating her mother and married Antoinette. Investigators say the abuse continued until 2003 when the victim moved out. Was able to finally move away. Like it took me getting a job selling cologne and perfume to get away. Antoinette was arrested on aiding and abetting charges. Antoinette's cousin, Monica Coley, was in the courtroom that day. She told Fox 8 Antoinette has learning disabilities and was brainwashed. I just think that, that Mike Wilson is a sick person and he, he takes advantage of people um, like Antony Antoinette. She's mentally challenged and throughout the whole process, I begged them to not do anything to her. I begged them to not lock her up, not press charges on her or anything because she was a victim just as well as I was. Rashida told us that Antoinette was released a few years ago and she still keeps in contact with her. As for Michael, he's serving a life sentence at the Maury Correctional Institution in Greene County. We pulled his record. The list of sexual offenses includes first degree rape charges. Next to November 12, 1999, you can see where it says child abuse. When I was younger, I was angry, and um, I feel like I'd probably go back and forth with my parents a lot about it. And, but as I got older, I just kind of learned that God does things for a reason, and I was supposed to end up here with my family, and I don't question it. I came to court on the sentence when scene. they gave him life without parole. What was that day like for you? He didn't say anything to me. It was weird because it was the first time I had seen him since before they locked him up. And um, he was just so small. I was nervous. They asked me, was there anything I wanted to say? He didn't want to say anything. And so I'd let him know, like, out of all the years that I went through this, not once did he say he was sorry for abandoning Angel. And I was like, you know, that's, that will mean everything in the world to me if he told me that he was sorry. Even though Michael was behind bars, 
Some would say Rashida spent years living in her own prison. She struggled with guilt. Maybe if somebody had talked to me about rape, you know, a, a little bit more than me just going to school learning it, then maybe I could have, I would have told a long time ago, like, mama, he touched me wrong. But instead, I wasn't telling nobody nothing. She tried to find ways to ease the pain. I ended up from being young and selling drugs to being young and now I'm using marijuana. I go from marijuana to I think in my 20s, I started using uh, cocaine. Not crack cocaine, but <laughs> coke. Um, I was drinking heavy, it, a lot. I went through a lot. Was that your way to try that to cope? That was my way of coping. I'm, I'm hiding it. She's in a different place in her life now and is raising her other children Michael fathered. A daughter and a son, now teenagers. It's a tough balance knowing that their dad is the same man who robbed her of so much. I deal a lot with it because all the children are like that. You see him in every child that he has. You can see his resemblance. But it's just their personalities are just so awesome. They're just so different than what he is. And um, they still talk to him. That's their father. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop him because at the end of the day, before he got locked up, they had a relationship with him. Michael wasn't interested in talking to us. Fox State sent him a letter requesting an interview. He wrote us back saying, "No, I do not want to be interviewed. Please leave me alone," with an exclamation point at the end. But you still have never heard him say, "I'm sorry." for abusing you or what I did to you or taking the baby. He's never no. said I'm sorry. No. No. You still want that apology from him? It would be nice to have it, but it'd be genuine, not because I've been asking for it or I've been wanting it or anybody's told him. I want the apology because deep down from the bottom of your heart, you know, you do apologize for what you did to me not because of anybody else, but because you really mean it. I asked Angel's parents if they ever wanted an apology. No, not at all. I don't want to see Not at all. All I want is what I got, and that's a beautiful young lady. As Angel got older, she became more comfortable sharing her story. But I felt that it's not something that I should have to hide because it's something that makes me who I am, and it's something that I went through and that my family went through and it's something that many people saw and they wondered about so it was something that I needed to share. Angel's aunt worked at a local high school and kept a picture of Angel on her desk. One of her co-workers noticed. Because when I saw it I'm like hmm she looks like a real-life Angel and she had her head it was tilted to the side and her little hand like that and then the star behind it it just intrigued me. By the third time I went into her office, I asked her about the little girl that was in the picture, and she said, well, she's not a little girl now. She's a freshman in high school. You know, her name was Angel. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I just called it right as it was. Angel's aunt told her colleague about all the little girl in the picture had overcome. After hearing her story, I asked her aunt, I said, well, let's, let's meet. You know, she might be a good, a good mentor to some of the girls here at the school, and that's when we, we met. And when I met her, I'm like, wow, she is a real life angel. 
You know, she was exactly what I expected her to be after hearing the story, after seeing her in the picture. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Remember when I told you about that phone call I got from Terry Sims? You kept asking me questions about the story, and you were intrigued. Well, Terry is the same woman who saw the picture and developed a relationship with Angel through her mentoring program. She's a school social worker. She called me that day to see if I would be interested in a feature segment on Angel Thomas. She was a standout student achieving great things. But as a storyteller, I wanted to know what she had to overcome to get there. Terry told me Angel was abandoned as a baby. It wasn't until later that I realized that she was the abandoned baby. She told me uh, the same thing her aunt did. If it's anything that I could do in life, I just really want to meet the family that saved my life. And I always tell Angel, just let me know when you want to make that happen. And I'll try to do my best to make that happen. And then that's when I reached out. It was August 2017 when I met 17-year-old Angel Thomas. It was her first time returning to the apartment complex where her story began. This is part of your life. She shared her story, hoping it would reconnect her with that family. I almost died. They saved my life, and that's a blessing within itself. So I feel like it just, I really, I feel like I have to, like I really want to. Willie watched our report. I was like, Mama. That is Angel right there. That is the baby we saved. And so then that's when I got the text from Willie. And so then I looked it up and I looked at my charge and tears, and tears came to my eyes. And so then he said, Ma, then he said, Ma, it's time. Rashida Cheek received a Facebook message from a friend. She was like, is this the baby? Is this the baby? And I'm like, where'd you get this? What's, what's going on? She was like, they just aired this story and I had to find the clipping so I could send this to you so I could see it. And, and I'm like, yo, that's her. You know, I'm like, that's her birthday. Tony McNair, the woman who found Angel outside her door, called our newsroom the same evening our story aired. So I would tell him everything. And he was like, tell the shots, are you still there? So I guess he knew that I was the one. And he said, this is Natalie's story. Can I get your number? I received an email at 10.26 p.m. on August 9th, 2017. It was from Phil, our evening assignment editor. It read in part, Tony McNair called to say she is the woman who found newborn Angel Thomas back in 1999. She mentioned where she found the infant and other details that are not in our story, so she might be legit. She says she would like to meet Angel Thomas and has always wondered what happened to her. I was excited. I called Tony. I called the Thomas family. They confirmed details Tony shared with me that were not mentioned in the story, including that Tony's family anonymously donated a Christmas dress at a community baby shower for Angel. Hello? I also contacted Greensboro Police. All the details in the report matched. 
From there, we were able to help give Angel the one thing she always wanted. It feels good, I'm really excited. With a few steps. Oh my goodness. Tony, Willie, and Ricky walked toward Angel outside the very building she was found. Thank you so much. I just wonder what happened to you. <laughs> Angel and Tony hugged through tears of joy and relief. I would say that before I lay down and die. <laughs> then I hope that you were safe. Well, I'm here. Yes, I'm <laughs> You're here. It's like I finally got to hold, quote unquote, my daughter. I thought about, wow, we saw her, first saw her wrapped up, rebellical cord, and now seeing her as a grown young lady, it was just like, it was shocking. But I had happiness for it. Angel's adoptive family was there too. Tony and Angel's mom, Carrie, shared a warm embrace. I just, re I recall just the love and passion that she had for, for Angel, and not even, you know, knowing her that long, but she really, she really loved that young lady. And, I, and I'll never forget that. Before the reunion, Terry Sims called to tell me Angel's biological mother would be there too. Rashida saw Carrie Thomas's name in our first story on Angel and messaged her. From there, she connected with Angel. We talked on the phone. You talked on the phone, okay. And then when the reunion, that's when we saw her. And I was just really shocked to be like, what I saw on, on the news is really what I see in real life. We followed Angel's story through her high school graduation. Angel Thomas, I told you God had big things planned for you and he's not done with you yet. This is just the beginning. Seeing where Angel is today, we couldn't agree more. Plus, we have our departure to the North practice area with information She really is soaring. Angel takes her dreams to new heights. What she's achieving today and her exciting plans for the future on the next episode of What Happened to Baby Doe. You heard us cover some serious topics in this episode. We want to remind you that help is available. According to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, better known as RAIN, every 92 seconds an American is sexually assaulted, and every nine minutes that victim is a child. RAIN operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 800-656-HOPE. Again, that's 800-656-HOPE. You can also visit the website RAIN.org, and that's spelled R-A-I-N-N.org. And if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, support is available through the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Call 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. You can also visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. If you like the podcast, be sure to tell your friends about it. Have them subscribe. We'd also appreciate a five-star review. 
Those things really help get the word out. You can find our TV series, What Happened to Baby Doe, online at myfox8.com. What Happened to Baby Doe was written and produced by me, Natalie Wilson. Edited and co-produced by Matt Jensen. Vinnie Bocanfuso helped too with our interviews. Our executive producer is Derek Stetzler. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.